Welcome, listeners, to this Vetfolio podcast brought to you in part by Vetra Science. We're pleased that you've decided to join us as we explore the topic of identifying and managing stress in cats and dogs with our guest speaker, Teresa DePorter. Today, we'll be exploring summertime stresses for pets. Whether it's those summer storms and the thunder and lightning they bring, fireworks from celebrations, or the annual summer vacation with the family, there is a lot of things that could be stressing out your clients and their pets. In this podcast, Dr. DePorter explains how to identify and manage mild anxiety in pets. She will also discuss the efficacy and safety of pet supplements with a focus on composure and its clinically proven ingredients. Before we hand the session over to Dr. DePorter, I would like to give you a little bit of background on her. A diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists, the European College of Animal Welfare and Behavioral Medicine, she has a DVM from Purdue University, where she graduated in 1992. She has authored multiple chapters on feline aggression, car ride anxiety, pheromones, and psychopharmacology. She has supported clients as a behavioral consultant at the Oakland Veterinary Referral Services in the metropolitan Detroit area since 2004. Dr. DePorter, we would like to hand the reins of today's session over to you. It's summertime, and the things that people do during the summer, they can mean some particular stresses for the pets. Summer fun for people can mean summer stress for pets. Things we're going to talk about today are the ways to identify stresses in pets and then also look at ways we can alleviate them. There are a lot of activities we do during the summertime that can cause our pets to stress. We can go on vacations, long car rides, a lot more rain and storms going on, even just those family get-togethers and bonfires. In the middle of the summer comes the 4th of July, the granddaddy of all noise phobia holidays for dogs and cats. What makes People smile and celebrate this great country with fireworks flying in the sky. It's often extremely scary to our dogs and cats. I live in Michigan and we have we love our fireworks here. And my own cat will run from window to window and there seem to be fireworks on all sides of our house. Bacon finds the spot to sit in the hallway where he cannot be in the direct line of any of the windows. So for our dogs and cats, the 4th of July can be super scary. Thunder, lightning, storms that light up the sky can be particularly scary for dogs. When we hear a loud noise overhead, it's normal for us to stop and freeze and wonder what in the world that was that just went off. And normal for our pets as well to be worried in the same way. One of the concerns about pet stress is that it often goes unrecognized and untreated. People may just think the dog is running around and excited and happy, and instead the pet is super distressed and worried about what's going on. One of the most important factors in helping pets is to make sure these owners understand what fear and anxiety and distress signs actually are. Some dogs will pant. They may crouch or cower. Some animals can be kind of slinking and hiding. Cats, too, will go and hide. They may go into some really small spaces where we wouldn't normally see them. Some pets are more likely to find their people. So we have those animals that will come and seek out human attention when they're really scared and others that hide. I think the hiders sometimes go unnoticed and people think, oh, they're just being good. 
and they're too afraid to come back out. The animals that come to people, and particularly the dogs that may jump up and climb on people, dogs jump up to the faces to get information. And when there's a lot of noise or something scary going on, they may run and jump up. And then if the people they trust are telling them, no, get down, get down, that adds to the anxiety at that particular moment. We can also see the dog or cat's whole body shaking or trembling. They may not eat at that particular moment. A relaxed dog, watch your dog next time they're super relaxed. Their face is soft. They have these ears that kind of come forward. Their mouth may be open, little light panty sound. Pupils are of a normal size, so you can see the color. That relaxed tail. Tail wagging is one of those things that can be pretty confusing. Dogs will wag their tail when they're aroused, and that can mean they're super happy to see someone that just came home. Dogs will also wag their tail when they're anxious or nervous or distressed. So tail wagging becomes a, a symptom we have to look a little deeper to know what's really going on. Whereas the dog that's a little more distressed, their pupils may dilate. That face may become tense and have a hard look to it. They may close their mouth. The ears may go back just a bit. When I look at dogs, I see these little kind of cheeks when they're really happy, and that goes away and becomes tight when they're more nervous and apprehensive. Cats, they have their own signs of anxiety. Hissing is always defensive. Their body may be tight, lowered down. Often they're sitting or in a loaf-type position, which means their feet are underneath them and they're ready to either fight or flee. Cats will also wag their tails. That is not a happy cat. That tail flipping is a sign the cat is particularly distressed. Contrast that to what the cat looks like when it's comfortable. The body's soft. The ears may be forward. Pupils kind of almond-shaped. And they may do this kind of slow blink. We know clients trust their veterinarian. We think the clients seek out help from their veterinarian first on many behavior problems. They may just say things like, my pet's going to be worried when the family comes to visit this year. They may just say things like, my dog's going to be a brat when people come over. If we can ask the clients about upcoming stresses, what kind of things are happening in the next few weeks? How is your pet going to handle those? And suggest ways for them to be proactive. It is much easier to prevent behavior problems than it is to treat them. What are you doing this summer that may stress your pet? Owners can often be ashamed to say their pet misbehaves. They worry that this is an obedience problem and they haven't been tough enough, firm enough. Some owners still think they have to be dominant over their dog. They may be confused that this is why their pet is misbehaving and jumping up on people because they haven't been strong enough and authoritative enough. And, and indeed, the exact opposite is the case. There are still some stigmas for people to ask for mental health assistance. And sadly, that's still true for our pets. Client may just say something like, my dog hates storms. She won't stop jumping around in the car. Oftentimes, even on the way to the veterinary clinic, they can say, we were late because she wouldn't get in the car. That's a flag that that dog has a car ride anxiety problem. Sometimes we just hear the dog growled at someone. They'll, they'll come in and say, hey, can you check the dog's vision? Because we were at the bonfire and people walked up and she growled at him and she knows them. So these may be little hints that may come up during a regular consultation discussion that will tell us that there's an underlying behavior issue. So just to kind of give a brief overview of the type of interventions that we can use, there are different anxiolytic medications and supplements that can help reduce anxiety in pets. We can use pheromones. They're specifically designed calming music. 
oftentimes will rely on the strategic use of food, treats, and toys, anything the dog loves. We can do things to block out what the pets can see, whether that's closing the blinds, covering crates with blankets, using frosted window film to decrease the pet's ability to see those scary things outside their home. We can also do some things to block down what they can hear, and that can be as simple as fans or white noise. When we start to think about what sort of interventions we can use for pets, there can be a range of anxiety, meaning how distressed the pet is, whether that's more appropriate to be thinking about a nutraceutical supplement or whether the pet is so scared they need to have medication. Animals that are extremely distressed may need medication to help alleviate their stress. Pets that are a little worried and apprehensive and noting what's going on and deciding whether they need to become scared or not, a nutraceutical supplement may be the perfect option because this is something that owners can start very quickly and alleviate the stress in that pet quickly. One of my clients one time that I talked to said to me, I get it. Medication and supplements do not fix the problem. They open the window for behavior modification. And that's exactly how I want you to think about it. That when we use something to help alleviate the anxiety, that then promotes the opportunity for the pet to decide, wow, that wasn't so scary. You know, as the rain's hitting the window, there's fireworks in the sky, this natural supplement or medication that we're using helps reduce that anxiety and arousal, and thus the pet habituates to it. And that's the most natural way for an animal or a person to get through something, to decide, ah, is that scary? No, no, it's really not. This is fine. Let's carry on. Some pets need more assistance than that, and they're not just going to habituate on their own. There are lots of options for us to use to help treat pet distress. Various medications, ranging from things like trazodone, clonidine, alprazolam, Valium, many of those medications are available and those do require a prescription. There are a number of natural products. Some of these products are made by companies that support veterinary applications, meaning that they have designed products that are specially developed for dogs and cats. These include Composure, Zilkine, Soliquin, and Anxetane. We can also find pheromones, such as Adaptil and Feelaway, that work in a different way to help alleviate pets' anxiety. Today, we're going to focus on a product called Composure, made by VetraScience. There are a number of advantages to using a nutraceutical. Wide range of, there's versatility in how we give this to pets. We can offer these products every day or on an as-needed basis. These are particularly appropriate for mild anxieties and to be used at the earliest possible point of intervention before the pet has learned to become more afraid in these situations. A natural product is often going to have a very rapid onset and can be given with medications that do have a longer onset. Things like fluoxetine may take four to six weeks to take effect and it is safe and appropriate to use natural products alongside. Generally, palatability is one of the most important features. Can we get the dog or the cat to eat something that we're offering them? Composure, good palatability, we can offer it to pets and many of them will eat that. I also sometimes think it doesn't just mean it's supposed to taste like a bacon-wrapped hors d'oeuvre. It doesn't. So we can use other things to help the pet take it. 
I have a cat that likes to have her composure cut in half. She'd rather have it in two small pieces than one large piece, and I'm perfectly happy to accommodate her in that way. We can also put it in cheese or peanut butter. What that means is but on the inside of that little meatball that we've made is something that tastes really pretty good. Contrast that to if we're trying to put medications in a little meatball, we've taken something that inherently tastes very bad and wrapped some cheese or canned food or something around it. Particularly the pet with anxiety is going to be suspicious of something that it's found inside its little treat you've given it. We often think the pets are being bad when they do that, and the pet with anxiety has a greater suspicion for why there is something bizarre in its little meatball that you've given it. So think about if you go out to lunch and you order a salad, and bopping there between the cheese and the croutons is a little blue capsule. Most of us are not going to eat that, but yet somehow we think our pets are being manipulative and being bad because they won't just consume this nasty-tasting pill we popped in their food. And I do think the pet with anxiety is far more suspicious of that. So one of the big advantages to natural products is they taste a little better. And when we hide them in something, the pets aren't going to be as offended when they come along and taste that. My own cat, eggs, she readily takes her composure. She does like me to cut it in half for her. And the times I'll use this for her is if there are known stresses coming up. We had windows and floors replaced. And my objective was to protect her in advance. I didn't really want to wait and see if she was bothered by the banging on the windowsills and the breaking up of the tile on the floor. I worry about her welfare and her well-being, and I'd much rather be proactive and provide something for her so that she has a good experience that day. And she did. Safety and confidence with safety is a really important concern for our pet owners today. At my house, we have a lot of Labradors, sometimes an undisclosed number. Right now, there are three. I have two children, my daughter is 14, and she texted me one day because our dogs ate a whole bag of composure. And the text read, Mom, I need you to call me as soon as possible. The dogs, Mabin and Hank, ate a bunch of composure, and it says in case of accidental overdose, contact the health professional immediately. And then she says, I don't know what to do. And it was nice that I could call her and know that Two Labradors splitting an entire bag of composure was not going to be a problem and that she did a great job reading the label, calling her favorite health professional, and just knowing that it was going to be just fine. I was really proud of her. Composure is a combination of ingredients, a proprietary mixture of bioactive proteins. These include L-theanine, C3, colostrum calming complex, L-tryptophan, and thiamine, vitamin B1. Let's take each ingredient one at a time. L-theanine, particularly the sun-theanine brand, is an amino acid found naturally in black, green, and white teas. It's a structural analog of the amino acid glutamate. It has neuroprotective effects by binding and blocking those glutamate receptors. It directly stimulates the production of those alpha brain waves. L-theanine may be present in a number of products, and many people may be very comfortable with and have a wide recognition for this ingredient. Colostrum Calming Complex C3, this is derived from cow's milk, a special microfiltration of the bovine colostrum. Colostrum Calming Complex supports brain activity, relaxation, and cognitive function. It's proposed to work by binding to the benzodiazepine receptors and enhancing the effect of GABA. So essentially it works like Valium, 
without the sedative properties. Tryptophan we know to be an essential amino acid, the large amino acid, and within the brain it is the precursor to serotonin. People recognize tryptophan because we think about tryptophan at Thanksgiving and that that's what makes us sleepy and calm and relaxed. In reality, there's not that much tryptophan in turkey to cause that, and it's far more likely to be the mashed potatoes and the pumpkin pie that made us sleep for Thanksgiving. Nevertheless, people are comfortable and aware that tryptophan is an important amino acid in the brain, and tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. Thiamine, vitamin B1, B vitamins do help to manage stress, support the immune system, and generally to reduce irritability. Particularly, vitamin B1 enhances circulation, optimizes cognitive activity and brain function. It's important in carbohydrate metabolism and in nerve transmission and provides nervous system stability. Interestingly, thiamine is not stored in the body and certain conditions and an increase in metabolism may deplete it. There's increased activity, stress, illness will deplete thiamine from the body. So it's important to have a source for this. Dosing for composure is fairly simple. Following the label directions, it's based out by body weight. Zero to 30 pounds is going to be a half a chew. 31 to 60 pounds gets one chew. Greater than 61 pounds is going to get two chews a day. One of the things I like about Composure Pro packaging is it says on the label, during times of increased stress, it's safe to double label amount as needed. When we think about treating anxiety in pets, not Every stressful situation is exactly the same. Every car ride isn't the same. If you've gone flying, every flight is not the same. You want to give the owner the ability to recognize that some rainstorms are worse than others, and sometimes that pet may be experiencing more anxiety than others, and it's not just based on weight that we do want to give them the latitude to say sometimes your pet may need more. There's also a phenomenon called trigger stacking, which means there can be a scary event one day and then something else follows and something else follows. You get in the car, go to the vet, get caught in the rainstorm on the way home and come home and there's a loud noise at the house. All of those things add up. Any one of them may help us identify a pet that needs more support from a uh, anxiolytic product. I'm going to tell you a little bit about a study that was done. This is a study that was done with Composure at CanCog Technologies in Canada. Leader of the study was Gary Landsberg, a boarded behaviorist from Toronto. The study they did was the assessment of anxiolytic properties of Composure in Beagle Dogs with a noise-induced model of fear and anxiety. You can find out more about this study. I'm just going to tell you about it. You can look at the website at www.vetriproline.com backslash research, V-E-T-R-I-P-R-O-L-I-N-E.com backslash research. So the study at CanCog is done with these laboratory beagles being placed in an open field room. So this room is about eight foot by nine foot, there's cameras overhead, and the computer tracks the movement of the dogs. So when we put a beagle in this room, and then they play some noises overhead. What they play is a thunderstorm simulation, just the sounds of a thunderstorm. Then they monitor the beagle's activity and how they move. So we first put a beagle in a little room. He wanders around, he sniffs, he may eliminate, checks out the door, walks around. The study periods are over a nine-minute period. The first three minutes, the beagle just walks around the room. 
second three minutes, there's the noise introduced overhead, at which point many dogs will freeze, orient, try to figure out where this noise is coming from, and then if they're worried about it, they may respond in a number of ways. The beagles in this study were selected for their activity response, meaning some beagles could crouch down and hide in the corner. Other dogs may run around. The beagles that were selected for this study were the ones that responded by running around. This was a placebo control study, 24 laboratory beagles, 12 were given composure, 12 were given placebo. The activity was monitored at 30 minutes post-dosing and 4 hours post-dosing. And what they found was when they compared responses with and without composure, the dogs without composure were more active, pacing around the room and even waiting by the door and scratching and trying to leave. The dogs that had been given composure were calmer and less bothered by the noises. These differences were notable at both the 30-minute point and continue to the four-hour point post-dose. When you're advising clients how to dose composure, you want to keep in mind that it may take about 30 minutes to take effect and probably will last about four hours for most pets. Composure can be part of a complete program for alleviation of summer stresses for dogs and cats. We need to think about three areas in which we can alleviate pet stress. We're going to use these all together. One is having that supplement or medication with anxiolytic properties. Can I do things to modify the environment? And the third area is can I do some behavior modification? Can I teach pets new things? As we're looking at many behavior situations, we really need to push-pull from all three of these. Can I control the environment? Can I give something that reduces anxiety? And can I teach pets new things? That means we're not only just getting through one day, one stress, we're actually helping to teach the pet that it won't be as scary next time. So for environmental modification, there's a number of things we can do. I can't really control the weather. So we need to have pets, help pets have a coping strategy. Some pets are going to find what they consider a safe place. Sometimes we can help the pet find a new one. If the location that the pet has already selected, some pets may hide under blankets, some may hide in a corner, some pets want to go in a closet, under the bed, in the bathroom. If they've already picked what they perceive as a safe place, I generally like to somehow reinforce and help them with that safe space. It's really hard to pick out a safe place for someone else. Everyone has coping strategies. If you've had a bad day, you may want to go to the coffee shop, the park, or to the bar, or just go home. If someone tries to pick a safe place that's different than what you want, it's probably not going to feel safe to you. So generally, I like to follow the pet's lead. So if they've identified, let's say they've identified a closet that they want to go to and hide, I might put some extra blankets there, move some things out of the way, place some calming music in there leave some treats and things that they love there, or toys that they like. Anything that helps kind of back that up and reinforce that retreating to a safe space. Some clients feel like this is a backward step. They want their pet to be comfortable in the area and not be afraid. Having a safe place to go to and a great place to retreat, gather and feel like we've got some control over the environment, makes the dog or the cat more likely to come back out when they feel better than if we just block that off and not let them go there.
There's things we can do to block out the noise. Fans can provide, can be an excellent and simple way to reduce the auditory stimulus. White noise, some music, any of those things that help block out what the pet can hear may make them immediately feel better. There are also sound absorbing materials. There are special panels you can purchase that can absorb the noise. Cork is an amazing natural sound absorber. Just even putting some cork along a wall, on the underside of a desk, inside of a cage. I've had patients that do seek a closet to hide in, and perhaps we line that closet with cork to make it a super safe, soundproof place for the dog to go. Dogs and cats also respond to things that they can see. And if the sky is brightening up with fireworks or lightning, reducing how much they can see can be really helpful. There are a number of ways to do this. Certainly we can close blinds and windows and and shades and help reduce what the pet can see. I like sunshine. I really like to have my windows open as much as possible. There are other ways to accomplish this and get both. One of my favorite is to use a frosted window film which is like a contact paper that you can put on the window. There are many wonderful new designs and patterns available at your local hardware stores, or you can purchase them online. And they can be very, very pretty and very attractive or very plain. And by looking at the world from the pet's perspective, essentially sitting down on the ground and looking out the windows and seeing what they see, can we use these frosted window film to block and obscure their view? Many of them can be very attractive. Also, if you're not sure where to put it, wherever the, no- the pet's nose prints are on the window, that's probably where you need to be putting the frosted window film. You can also use bioacoustically designed music. In this music, they have removed some of the louder or more dramatic portions of a normal classical music, made it all smooth and calming and appropriate for pet listening. At the very least, it also helps block out and obscure some of the noises. Then we start to think about how can we change the pet's emotional response. These animals are afraid. The cat is worried about the noise and running from the storm. The dog is afraid of fireworks overhead. We're trying to change that emotional response. One of the ways we can do this is by classical conditioning. Does the old Pavlov ring the bell, feed the dog? Which essentially means we can, at the time or just before the pet hears the scary noise or has the scary experience, think it's something really great and amazing. And it can be a food, a toy. It can be pets if that's what the dog loves. But our goal is to provide a reward that is so amazing it offsets what the pet is afraid of, which means if it's the worst of the 4th of July fireworks, We might be giving our dog steak, chicken, hot dogs, cheese, something wonderful because it has to be good enough to offset that fear. We are building this new association. With time and repetition, you can get a dog or a cat that realizes, yay, there's a storm coming. It's time to break out the hot dogs. And they look at you with happy enthusiasm to go, we're going to get something amazing whereas they used to be shaking, trembling, and trying to hide. Art of behavior modification is to keep in mind that balance. The exposure to fear, can I offset that with a positive experience? 
the dog is too distressed to eat and you're offering their absolute favorite food, it's not going to be enough. We're going to have to find something else or some other ways to modify the environment. So that pet does indeed have that balance between the fear they're exposed to and can we balance it with that positive exposure. The dog that is afraid of storms already has an association. They already think it's bad. When we start to think about using classical conditioning, I want you to realize we're already in the hole. The dog already has a very negative opinion about this storm, and we're trying to build a positive association. So this is classical counter conditioning. And if we just get back to neutral, the dog says, you know, storms are just okay. Then we don't have a, anything built in to protect us for when something super scary happens. So the more associations you can make, there's a little bit of rain, there's a little bit of thunder, there's a little bit of lightning, you get cheese, you get chicken, you get hot dogs, it's just wonderful, we're going to have a party. If the dog believes you, and we do enough of that, you get the dog that used to be afraid of something and get all the way to being positive, enthusiastic, and potentially even looking forward to it. I think of this like having a banking account. You want to make a withdrawal every now and then. You have to put in a fair number of deposits. The deposits in the bank are all the times you give the dog something wonderful when there's something scary going on. So it's raining a little bit. And then someday when it's the worst storm you've ever seen, will prevent that storm from setting that dog back for weeks or months of your behavior modification. We just kind of go, eh, it's raining a little bit. Here's a dog biscuit. We may get through it. We may help the dog establish that storms are neutral haven't gotten all the way to the dog thinking storms are amazing and I get wonderful awesome things and my owners run to the fridge and get me wonderful stuff and that's what's going to help protect the dog down the road. When we look at a behavior modification program and the whole response, I need to balance out the severity of that fearful response, the severity of the stimuli, and the value of the reward and there needs to be a correlation between all of those for the best outcome. So let's take a little minute to go through and review. Summer stresses, fireworks, 4th of July, rain, storms, car travel. Fun for the family can mean stress for the family, dog, and cat. Look at ways to identify the anxiety signs. Be proactive. Ask if the pet gets stressed. When they come into the veterinary clinic, ask them, what are you doing this summer that may stress your pet? Treatment for summer stresses, remembering that pets may be worried about these events, observing the anxiety signs, Composure may be given to dogs and cats to prevent or minimize that anxiety-based response. Composure should be given to the dog and the cat in advance of an anxiety event or as soon as possible after it started. We can use fans or music to block the noises. We can use window film or close the blinds to reduce what they can see. Enjoy summer activities, but watch your pets carefully to make sure they're having fun too. Dr. DePorter, thank you so much for some great insights for our audience members today. We truly appreciate that. As we begin winding down things, though, I've been listening in, and I wanted to pose a question of my own to you. We happen to have a new golden doodle at my house, about a year and a half old, named Gracie, and we've recently discovered she is terrified of the thunder. Now, I've heard conflicting information on whether we should be working with them to try to console or whether we should let them work that out on their own. I want to take this opportunity and pose that question to you. What thoughts and advice can you share with us? 
Certainly. I'm sorry Gracie's having such a terrible time with the storms. And your question is one that comes up a lot because people do want to comfort and reassure their pet. And then they may have heard from a lot of people that that's actually making it worse and, and reinforcing that fear. And in reality, it is okay to comfort, to pet, to give your dog food during these times that are causing it distress. The rationale for that is emotional responses. If someone is afraid, it's not possible to reward them and have them become more afraid. And it's probably easier to talk about it in the great extremes. So if Gracie is terrified and she's her body's shaking and she's hiding in the closet and doesn't want to come out, and if we go in there and sit with her, reassure her, pet her, take her some hot dogs, whatever it is that she likes, then that anxiety is going to de-escalate and come down. And she starts to figure out this isn't as bad as I thought. Whereas if we go the other way and say, well, this dog's afraid. And, you know, a lot of traditional dog trainers will say things like they just need to endure it. They need to face their own fears. Dogs look to people when they need help. And if at that point of the dog's greatest fear, we kind of cross our arms and look away and go, sorry, Gracie, you just deal with it. And when you've got this under control, then I'll give you some of my attention. That adds to the stress of that moment. Not only are there thunderstorms, her favorite person that she trusts more than anything else is looking away. And I think that makes it much worse for dogs. The dog with a little bit of anxiety who kind of freezes and looks overhead and says, wow, something's going on. Wonder what's going to happen next. That dog may habituate on their own, and it probably doesn't matter whether I pet that dog or ignore that dog. They're going to you know, be a little more resilient. The more extreme the anxiety, the more important it is that we realize it is okay to comfort and reassure our dog at that moment of distress. Dr. DePorter, thank you so much for answering my personal question. I truly appreciate that and hope that for our listeners here that gave them some additional insights and techniques as well. As we begin wrapping things up here, I want to thank you for your time today and for sharing your expertise. And to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope that you found the information shared in this session useful. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, please check out related items on the Vetfolio website at vetfolio.com. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, VetraScience, for their support. Let us know what you thought about this session and other topics that you'd like to hear on future podcasts. You can connect with the Vetfolio team via email at support at vetfolio.com. Now, listeners, that's a wrap.